1: This is Everything Elite, presented by MyBookie, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Aaron Bentley. I am joined by, you might know him as Rainshaft. You might know him as Weird Tense. You might even know him as Joshi Normie Nate. That's right. It's Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate?
2: Hello, it's me. Um, that was Joshi Normie was the throwback. That was a short lived one. <laughs> it was. I was a little hopeful that you're going to hit me with the Kotoka, bleh! which was, of course, my Twitter. Handle for, thank you, Mike. Yeah. And my, my no, not death. <laughs> it's not death. Blah. It's bleh! <laughs> uh, and never die. And now it's my, my system is now complaining about my microphone noise because I, of course, am screaming noises into it, which was my intent. Um, But yes, that was those are my Twitter names. Hooray.
1: I think uh I think friend of the show, Julie, tweeted, rain shaft, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Can we call? I don't think we can call Julie a friend of the show. I'm pretty <laughs> sure Julie's never listened to the show. Um, yeah. Certainly would consider her a friend. Uh, but, uh, of course, that's also with the caveat that uh, the degree to which she can tolerate any of us, uh, I think varies wildly from day to day, which is understandable. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah well, still a friend. So we can say, but I think she tweeted rain shaft ah. and somebody responded weird tense. I think Jose, it might've Jose. been Jose. Yeah. And so then I was like, Oh, this is funny. But I was trying, I was like, I got to think of a third one. And I was really grasping and uh Joshi normie Nate popped into my brain.
3: You forgot yeah. about hexagons. Like that was one.
2: That was a big, big key element of the brand was the shape of hexagons. Hmm.
1: All right. Well, I'll I'll try to ruminate on more uh, as the days go on.
2: Oh yeah. Um. I even forgot. I was I was goth Nate for a while. That was before goths came back in a big way. <laughs> I was really ahead of the curve on that.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll try to think more about those. Uh, also joined by. Uh, I think you pretty much just only know him as Iron Mike Spears.
3: So what's up, Iron Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Yeah. Uh, for a while, I was trying to drop the iron thing because I was like, okay, that was a bit based off of a Luch underground and me game bordering lucha on- underground that I'd rather do ironing than watch Luch underground. But that thing sticks. Uh, I'm doing all right. How are you holding up, big cat?
1: Uh, dealing, I'm not sure if it's seasonal depression or just normal depression. Hard to differentiate, you know, between the two. So just a shitty day. So excited to uh, talk to my friends and uh, bitch about dynamite. So that usually makes me feel better. Uh, yeah. So if you want to know more about my depression, you can follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. Or, you know, really go to at Aaron like the car. Mate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, ya. Uh, Subscribe to the podcast, please. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review on the Apple Podcast app.
2: I will only tweet about my depression in the form of a screenshot of Twitter drafts. I will not put it on main. I I have to have that level of abstraction where it's like, I'm not just directly sad posting. I'm cloaking my sad post within eight other random drafts and putting them in a screenshot. That's my promise to you, the followers.
1: I tried to do like what I thought was a funny tweet about being depressed, but instead, people just gave me like earnest recommendations I did, on how I, to feel
2: better. I did fave it because I did find it funny, um, <laughs> and then did not reply because I don't have any solution for you.
1: Yeah, well, who does? Well, apparently, a lot of people do. I mean, a lot of like very sweet.
2: Yeah, you got like fifteen replies, which is an obscene amount to get. Again, always yeah. very annoyed by the uh, amount of interactions you get given your number <laughs> of followers. Uh, a, a great uh, personal affront to me.
1: Yeah, and I I don't tweet that much. So it's really just uh, the quality of the post, I think. So yeah, I thought I just thought it would be funny, but very nice. I appreciate all the recommendations. Um I will maybe do some of them so that I will feel better. Uh but I will That's not cool. log I will not log off as suggested. And uh, you know, I'm not gonna smoke weed. That was the that was maybe the one that was most recommended.
2: Yeah, that I find does not help with depression. <laughs> All right, well, see. I, did, I, I hit some point in like the last, oh geez, I'm old. I don't know, six years where it's like, actually weed just makes me feel worse now. So, yeah. Oh no,
1: can't relate. But unfortunately, I won't be able to try that out. Uh, but you know, I'll try out some of the other things. So thanks everyone. Uh, if you feel bad for me, uh or uh Nate, who also has suggested that perhaps he's occasionally sad. I'm sure Mike's sometimes sad too. If you feel bad for all of us, go to patreon.com/slash everything elite. Uh, I but- should I
2: should clarify because I don't want to uh you know uh co-opt your sadness. I am uh I'd say my my primary complaint about existence in general is always uh somewhere between anger and fatigue, I think. Mostly Mostly fatigue, uh, but while I'm at work, it manifests in anger more often. I get very mad when people send me emails that make me have to do one more click than is necessary. <laughs> it, just seems, it just seems like a lot of people uh, putting, putting a lot on me.
3: <laughs> I, I I mean, most of mine is just ennui, like just general bargain basement, active existing, you know, so... I mean, but, but but pitching our Patreon with sadness—that is
2: <laughs> Patreon—not a very sad place. No, it's no. not sad. We do fun I'm, stuff there.
3: I, I uh, mean, I probably don't talk about my depression. I go insane on Patreon, but I don't yeah. get sad. Not really. Yeah, sure, you can,
2: you can hear Mike uh, hum sing on there. <laughs> Put out. Uh, so that's that's not depressing at all.
3: I do tend to do that a lot. I have realized. Not really sure of the etiology
1: of this uh, sadness. Uh, I don't know. Mostly felt okay yesterday. And then I I got in bed and I was just like, oh, wait, I feel like shit. And I'm going to feel like shit tomorrow, I bet. It's just one of those things that happens. So uh, here's what we're going to talk about on the show. This week's Dynamite, like we always do. We'll talk about the ratings. We'll talk about next week's Dynamite. Uh, We're going to start out with Elite or Delete. And we got a little a little new part of elite or delete and and that is that we have asked the listeners and our patrons in the Patreon discord to give us some of their elite or delete picks and i thought we got a lot of really good ones like a lot of ones that made me think about uh, maybe beyond the surface of what i what i would normally think about so yeah
2: you know you you proposed this idea in the group dm the other yeah. week uh, and i didn't really like it but i didn't say anything cuz i didn't want to come down on your idea to try and improve the show cuz i felt like that was not productive uh, but then I th- I was looking at the replies we got. I was like, oh, these are actually kind of funny. So uh, I guess I guess everybody uh, proved me wrong.
1: Little production uh, meeting here. Like what what happens is I will suggest something in the DM, and as long as Nate doesn't say no, I do it. So it's it's basically like I figure if Nate really doesn't like something, he'll let yeah. me know.
2: But yeah, no, that that's me being very generous and like, yeah, let's let's uh, learn try his thing because he's <laughs> making the effort here and i'm just like you know not so
1: yeah well i just i like to uh switch things up a little bit occasionally so this is, is hey my it's, idea. Been, it's
2: been a year of dynamite it's a good time too
1: yeah and listener interaction is good i think so we'll see what happens going forward but i was i was pleased this week so that's what we're going to do first so let's get it started with elite or delete nate buddy Uh, what would you like to choose as your elite selection for (sighs) the fake anniversary show of dynamite?
2: Uh, My choice for the fake anniversary show of dynamite here. Um, I guess it's just Eddie Kingston. I think that's all. I don't know. He, uh, he was really good in the post-match attack. He also just, you know, always brings a unique presence in wrestling uh, to like, being on the mic and being on commentary. Uh, And it was funny hearing hearing Jr. have to sort of reckon with that uh, and contend with him in that way, even though, you know, it's not like Eddie came down on him hard or anything, but uh, yeah, Eddie Kingston after the main event match here, going in, doing a, you know, promo where he's talking about John Moxley is the champ, carrying the company for a year, et cetera. I mean, I guess not an actual year for Moxley. Uh, And then, you know, inevitably, Attacking him, giving him the back fist, choking him out while screaming into the camera. I never tapped out, uh, and then the very funny visual of that happening while the Lucha Brothers like blocked the the contingent of referees that were coming to try and break this up uh, really amused me. Uh, I think yeah, that was, that was about my favorite thing on the show. I don't know. This was an odd show because I felt like there was a lot of wrestling that people really liked, but it it kind of just didn't didn't fire me up
3: no i completely see your point there nate uh i'll get more into my overall malaise about this show in my delete but whenever eddie like comes out and says something and is able to do what he does best it adds a certain bit of i don't even want to call it legitimacy but it gives a certain bit of character that i feel like sometimes is missing from the product and the fact that this is continuing and it does feel like that this might be the main event, or it should be the main event. At full gear, it gives me a little bit of life because it's because as we'll get into late, as we'll get into later, it's one of those things that I'm glad that there's some sort of like lighthouse that they're sailing towards with Eddie and Moxley. It's not just constantly doing this. And each time Eddie gets a microphone, like, did you all see the uh, the the promo he cut off after they got off air last night?
2: I don't think I did
3: he just continued and it was like, it was like another minute and a half of him, like, going like everyone applaud for AEW, applaud for John Moxley, applaud for him. And it's like, go back to your beautiful wife. You left us here. The world is cool. It's just, just like standard, like great Eddie lines and it's worth checking out. So yeah, no, Eddie was an obvious highlight. I felt like.
1: So you bring up an interesting point that there was some discussion about this in the discord last night of, I have, uh, perhaps uh, famously at this point, not that famously, but among our our patrons at least, said that I didn't think Eddie Mox could be the full gear um, main event because I don't know that that's a pay-per-view main event match, certainly in the eyes of like your average AEW fan. So I guess that's my question to you all. Is uh, Eddie Kingston enough of a challenger to to main event full gear?
2: Um, It kind of seems like that isn't that important to them? Uh, I get, cause I don't know. They did a whole bunch of builds for Moxley and MJF. And I, I don't know. That's just not as, not as marquee a match as some of the other matches that they've given away on TV. And and that's kind of the same thing here, right? Like I, it seems like Lance Archer was the bigger match. Uh, and Eddie was just sort of something brewing in the background. Um, And it's not like Eddie's been out there beating guys week after week where he's been presented as a monster or something like He's gotten wins, and he's gotten wins on Dark, but his most notable match is losing to Cody. So, you know, you kind of have that where the casual viewer looks at it and goes, oh, it's the guy that Cody beat. Uh, You know, why is he on the level to take on Moxley now when it sure seems like Moxley's a cut above Cody in the hierarchy of this company? Like, Moxley beat Brody Lee, and then Brody Lee beat the shit out of Cody, right? Um, So, yeah, it doesn't really seem like a big marquee main event match, but I, I guess they have confidence in their ability for Eddie to build the story and make that engaging and interesting to people. And it, it, yeah, it just doesn't seem like a huge priority to them to put on marquee matches, especially now when it's like, <laughs> we have no idea like who's, who's not at these shows at all. Cause they are out for quarantine purposes or COVID purposes, like just know it and know really.
3: And on top of that, um, uh... They've been, I don't don't even want to say flat, but they've been so consistent on what they've been getting on pay-per-view that maybe it is like that they assume, and now they have a little bit of evidence to think so, that no matter what, they're going to get about 100,000 buys. And if that's the case, okay. I mean, if you have such faith that your fan base, you will get the same amount of buys, and it's like, oh, why burn a bigger match here when this is being built up pretty well, and we think we're going to get the same amount of buys. And, and I don't think that's a positive thing. I just think it's one of those things that I'm starting to come around to the idea of like, remember for double or nothing, when everyone was like, oh God, this pay-per-view could end up doing terribly and it ended up being their highest grossing pay-per-view since all in. So it, it, it's one of those things that maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it doesn't matter how well it's felt. Maybe it just seems like that people are going to buy the pay-per-views because they want to buy the pay-per-views.
1: Yeah, and I will say, you know, at least Eddie's doing a great job. Uh, our friend Tharos commented in the Discord uh, that his elite would have been, had they done a great job of letting Eddie play to his strengths, allowing him to come off as a star despite losing both his big matches. So I think that's true. Eddie will hold up his end of the deal regardless. So we'll see if that's where they're going. Uh, Mike, your elite pick.
3: So my elite pick of the week was uh, Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone and Rebel getting a spa treatment. And just like how bizarre of a segment this was, like it, well, like it started off with them getting like getting facials, getting massages, and then, then it, and then they had Rebel coming in with like the, uh with like the signboard and like completely like disrupting all the while 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 lo- lo- lo-fi beats to study and chill to were on, and then they they discovered that he's shirtless and they were asking if he was naked, and then it all descended into. Just basically uh, waxing, t- waxing Tony Schiavone. The sheer glee that that Rebel had when she pulled the strip off of Tony is something that gives me great energy. And it just was like Britt Baker and Tony Schiavone are like two like the, the better like like the more entertaining people on the show week in week out. And I'm I'm glad that we're back to having more of their interactions.
2: Yeah, this was weird. Um, I kind of liked it for its weirdness. I kind of thought just the idea of Brit and Tony as they are like actually friends, even though she like treats him like shit all the time. And Tony like continues to put up with it. That is very fun to me. That's like very fun. Mean girls shit. Uh, and it's very funny for Tony to be like in the Mean girls posse. Uh So I really latch onto that and it's like very, you know, in that context, it's very funny and appropriate that they would like go to a spa together and then do an interview. Uh so the premise was funny to me, and I would like to see them doing more mean girl activities together where, like, Brit is bossing Tony around and dragging them to whatever things mean girls do. Uh, the actual execution of it I mostly just thought was weird, and I don't know that I'd call it, like, necessarily funny or, like... It was bizarre. Yeah, it was bizarre. I guess it accomplished giving Brit more time to do her character, which is always fun. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, I don't know that, like the rebel stuff actually like made me laugh or anything, but you know, I, I can't complain about putting bizarre things on television. Cause that's fun too.
1: Yeah. I thought it was funny. I don't know. I enjoyed it. Uh, Brit is good and we should all just enjoy it. I think so. Uh, Oh, I should have thought about my elite pick of the week. I suppose I, I have a, also a time to make a pick on here. um, <laughs> So this was I think there was some controversy about this, but I got to come down on the side that uh, I'm going to agree with uh, Drew Spears that continuing the Sammy Matt Hardy thing is good and giving it like the actual conclusion that it needs to have. I think is good. Sammy generally good on this show uh, in the the oversized jacket uh that, that MJF gave him. He did a great job in that segment that I otherwise think was pretty bad. And then we go back and let uh, he and Matt Hardy hopefully have the blow off that they were actually trying to have in the beginning. So that's my elite pick of the week. Tying that loop. Closing yeah. that loop.
2: What I those both work. <laughs> I, I kind of what what I actually really liked about this segment was Tony going to Matt Hardy on the outside had the whole family there had all of his kids running around. Uh, and I thought Matt Hardy is just like the whitest meat baby face possible where he's just doing like feel good, going to try my best. I love my family. I love this company stuff like his promo for that part was like really on point. He's like, and I'm happy to announce that like I'm clear now and stuff it was like, oh, yeah, no. Matt Hardy has like the right energy for this for whatever reason. Uh, and then, you know, uh, their pre tapes are almost always good. So we got another like fully capable pre tape here. Uh, with Sammy, uh, the only thing is like they they halfway fumbled it after, where like Matt stumbled over a word or something, and then I think Tony ate his lunch and like said, Oh, I didn't know that was gonna happen, like a line early. So Matt's like, Did you know that was gonna happen? So that was a little awkward, but yeah, I think it's you know that feud had juice and then had a really awful end point of some kind. So I think Sammy kind of justified it well by saying. You come back. I'm just going to knock you out until I knock you out of this business for good. I think that put a nice little pin in in where this feud's going.
3: And it's something that for a few that was very uneven leading up to this, like it would have been a real disservice to both guys, like just leaving it lay there. And like the two of them just separating, like, Oh, we went through this. I, you busted your head open. We're done here. Like, being having the confidence to go back to him, it's like, no, we're gonna do this and we're gonna do this right. I think, like, puts a lot of confidence, and like, you could tell, like, within like Sammy, because Sammy's not been on TV a whole lot after uh All Out. So, the fact that like having this back and being able to finish the business here, I thought like that Sammy in the pre tape was excellent. And as you said, like, Matt's a good, just like white bread baby face, white, white bread baby face, and it's Why just well, I mean, both of those work. I mean, Wonder Bread, white meat, yeah, white meat, white bread. You know, you could eat uh white bread with white meat there. But yeah, I thought that it was a, <laughs> that was a fun segment.
1: <laughs> you can eat white bread with white meat. I think that's fair.
2: Yeah, no, I, I won't disagree with that.
1: <laughs> All right, a few uh, listener elites from the show. Do you guys have any thoughts about these? Uh, Hoosh, is that what it is? Hoosh, Danny H. Danny Hernandez on Twitter. He's a patron, also. Says the Britt Baker Act is evergreen. I think that's I think that's a fair point. We talked about that a little bit. There's a lot of talk about uh Miro getting to be angry at huge tiny mistake on Twitter. Uh shouted out. Miro getting angry. And there's a few people who mention that. I think that's cool and a, a great point. Uh Chris Duarte also pointed that out. Oh, no, he did not. I made that up. Britt and Roses also pointed that out. So he said. Miro making lots of people angry by showing intensity and whipping ass, but as a heated gamer moment. Uh, I think that's true. (laughs) This is like the premier pro Miro podcast. Uh, So yes, we're definitely in favor of all that.
3: I I mean, you know how expensive that uh, that button set set was, A.B. I know, Nate, you probably have some sense there. Like, even though that was a very gimmicked up set, they actually put in like a legit fight stick there. So like that it was believable.
2: I mean yeah so it, I'm sure it was a very nice fight sick uh probably not on the level of Miro's you know pajama Gucci pants but uh yeah that was him my highlight of that I'll just cuz we're talking about it now I guess uh him basically winning that match by himself like Kip got in for like a splash and otherwise it was just Miro that's that's just quality monster booking
1: don't worry, folks. I'll, I'll figure out how to better weave these into the show as we do it more. It's a new segment. It's a new segment. Yeah. We'll work uh, this out. I'll try to do better. Uh, all right. We're going to move on to delete. Do not delete me trying to weave these into the show, please. I appreciate that. Uh, Nate, what did you think was the
2: worst thing
1: on the show this week?
2: Hello, Aaron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what hi, I, I, uh, hi, bud. Hey, I'm I?
3: Hi, sorry. I was looking <laughs> down this. I was looking down the run sheet for a second. This guy loves his mute button.
2: <laughs> I just say throw caution to the wind. Just fuck it. No mute. If I'm gonna make noise back here, everybody can deal with it. It's on. Um, uh, uh, the, the, oh, so last week I was on here uh, and I said that they do a really good job of making uh, shows feel special, even when it's like the weekly television and they do it every week and you know it's going to be there every week. Uh, but they still put in the extra effort to to dress things up and you know, have some sort of special hook or, you know, special segment or reason for, you know, your occasional television show here. Uh, and But this was their anniversary show, and it didn't really feel like there was much extra effort to make it special in that way. Uh, the Chris Jericho 30th anniversary show got considerably more uh, in that department. You had all the special vignettes and messages from uh, people talking about Jericho. But here... It was basically just that they booked a bunch of title matches and we'll get into the booking of those, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, they had even, I think, a website or maybe TNT had a website that was like some of the wrestlers talking about their favorite moments from Dynamite and they had clips of the favorite moments and you could go back and watch Riho win the women's title for the first time and stuff. And just seemed like a layup to like put that on the show and be like, hey, we've had a pretty good first year here. Um, Hey, here's a good reminder that when... And if, uh, crowds ever come back that we can have really hot crowds at these shows celebrating big things happening. Uh, just, I, I kind of thought that was a a pretty big missed opportunity. Uh, and it, you know, just didn't, didn't feel like a, a super special show for that reason.
3: And like the only time that they did anything, it seemed like that was real, like towards the, the, uh. Towards the anniversary was when they cut to a commercial in the middle of a match and there was like an ad package going for it is the one anniversary thing in picture in picture. Like they had like a like they decided to have like an anniversary thing in picture in picture. I know you Nate, you probably yeah. if I'm right, you were in you were in Luxembourg last last night, right?
2: Uh I I let me I wanna say Belarus, but I might be oh, wrong. Okay. All right. Um I feel like I was in Belarus uh obviously had too much absinthe or something i don't know uh yeah they had a montage and jr threw to it he's like hey in the picture in picture we're gonna have some of our highlights or something so being on the fight tv feed they i got to see the montage in full but it had no sound because it was for the picture in picture so yeah okay uh i don't know just it it was basically nothing
3: yeah and it's something where like maybe it is because they had like all of this stuff going on but then you didn't need to have a second backstage fight between moxley and archer you could have had this thing be like here's a video we have for like this happen but you're you're absolutely right like they celebrate so many things and then something that even though it's a fake anniversary something that you would celebrate other than having four title matches this did not feel like a special episode
1: yeah, and as uh, Bella Randolph said on Twitter, this was uh, her delete, four title matches that all lacked stories, credible challengers, and heat. And I think that's fair, right? It's like, okay, yes, for this anniversary show, they did do four title matches, but we were, uh, Mike and I, and Light were like grasping for could one of these titles change hands if you're going to do four title matches? And none of them really seemed believable. I think each of us tried to talk ourselves into like one or the other that might happen, but in the end, it's like, yeah, there was really nothing to grab onto here on this show.
3: And and you like looked at it and I will say that it did feel like that Archer and Moxley was built up. I mean, that's also considering the fact that Archer was off TV for two weeks because of COVID-19, but they tried with that. And even like watching like the road to where they had like three minutes devoted to that. It was like, oh, all right, like, but there were, we, had to, we basically had to like wrench our, like put our hands behind our back, like wrenching ourselves to make it seem like that something could happen.
2: Yeah. If I want to hammer that, um, I, I came, that started off with a lot of energy. I was like, all right, finally, here's the big segment. Here's the big main event for the anniversary show. The guy's got brand new theme music. He's got all these guys to record promos for him in his world title match. Uh, and he came out, and they just like started doing a bunch of whips into the barricade, like in every, you know, hardcore match that they've done in this promotion, which is every third week. And I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is this is just going to be a a little television match.
1: Mike, what was your least favorite part of the show?
3: So I, I as watching this show, and like thinking a little bit across the fifty three weeks of AEW Dynamite. Something that really kind of crystallized to me, especially like more recently, is how much like the show feels like that they have like a set template, almost like set for a spreadsheet, like booking via spreadsheet that these shows have. You always have five to six matches. The women's match is always second to last. It's always been like some sort of desk slot. You always have certain people at the, at the nine o'clock and 10, 8 in the 10 o'clock. And it's one of those things that like, it made me think back about how, like one of the best episodes they had was the episode where they just basically said, okay, pack versus Omega, y'all get the first quarter of the show. And like, we they built it from there. And maybe it's something that it is something that like with COVID and everything like this, so like we had to go for tried and true. We had to go tried and true. But this is like something like, and this kind of goes into what Nate said, everything felt so samey on the show that like, I actually like went through my notes and I was like, all right, no, pretty much the exact same thing. Pretty much the exact same thing. Pretty much the exact same thing. And I and I actually was like trying to figure out when was the last time that there's been like a women's match that wasn't semi main event, and it might be all the way back at the Atlanta tapings. And it's just like it feels like that it's almost like a form that they book with, and that's something that really annoyed me. The more I started to think about that,
1: yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that that is exactly what they do. And it's a it's a bummer because I remember on some of the earlier shows when Dynamite started, I remember us coming on here and like our elite pick would be, wow, they really kind of do a little different thing at the beginning of each show. So it doesn't feel like it's the same every time. And I don't know if it's COVID or if they've just fallen into this rut, but it's certainly uh, gotten stayed.
2: Yeah, I remember in particular, I think, saying that about it was one of the private party matches, either private party versus Young Bucks or private party versus Lucha Brothers where they start with the guys in the ring and it's like, Hey, the show's starting. And now here's a super hot, you know, spot heavy tag team match. Uh, And that's how we're going to open the show. And there's a whole different energy to it. You know, we're not going to hit inferences and hit promos right now. It's just like, boom, here's action. Uh, And now literally every show enters or opens with a uh, hot spot, heavy tag team match. It's just like with the guys already in the ring, which is what they did here. Just like, Oh yeah, that, that was cool. When that was a change of pace, And they didn't lean on that too hard. Or even if that's the norm, you know, still want to mix it up from time to time. But now it does seem like, oh, that's just what we do in our first segment every show.
1: And my delete kind of builds off of that. uh, Just this kind of, I don't know, this rut that they're in. And I was thinking about this uh, in large part because of some of the comments that we got um, on Twitter and in the Discord. And it's that what is the match? that we're all waiting to see what is the, the program, the feud that we're all waiting to see resolved. I don't think there's anything. I mean, Uh, Peter Avalon versus Brandon Cutler is like (laughs) the best built feud in the company. So I'm just really concerned about the like long-term storytelling uh, and character building in the company. I just think
2: it's, it's not been good. It's, what well, we're all waiting around, the fireworks factor we're all trying to get to is one of uh, Kenny Omega or Hangman Page feuding and or getting to a feud with John Moxley, I think. I think that's sort of the long term that we're all trying to find our way to. Um, and they are. They do have a route there. They've been building up this thing between Kenny and Hangman where they're both sing. They're in a tag and now they're both singles guys and they're in this tournament together that's going to result in the next challenger. So it's there, but it has, uh, you know, it's been meted out pretty pretty deliberately over these last few weeks.
3: And it's something that, obviously with the bracket for the uh, Men's World Title Tournament, Challenger, which, boy, that's a mouthful to say, uh, they are put on opposite sides of the bracket so they would face off in the finals. So that would be at full gear. So even after, like, that happens, I feel like that's, like, the obvious direction that the tournament's going to be in unless they want to do, like, a legitimate surprise and go like oh jungle boy somehow is like putting it all together which i don't think any of us anticipate but then when are you going to be doing that title shot for the winner of hangman and page versus moxley because next pay-per-view after this isn't until late february early march so is that going to be like the year-end show the new year show like you still have like this anticipation that like nate like point out like that is probably like the the biggest singles issue there at least in the men's division and that still is like whenever they would decide to do it, it's not, it's something that we're still talking about 2021 to build up for that. And that's a lot of time that like, that they would have to fill with like doing stuff like this and going back to kind of like the spreadsheet thing that I brought up. I don't really have a lot of confidence that they would be able to sustain a feud like that for like this long without like taking weeks off from the feud. So it, it's frustrating and it's something that, Yes, like there is like a natural handicap with who's there, who's not, who are like taping one taping in front of 15% and daily's place and all of that. But I mean, bringing up like Cutler versus Avalon, which, yes, that is like the most meaningless feud in the promotion. Like when we talk about importance, but it's so much like like they've done stuff and they kept on like doing this thing that it's like so much like a part of them. And they have them like cut promos and they tell the story in the ring of, all right, first we had a double count out. Now they're getting dirty. They're gonna double go DQ. Leva Bates has walked out on them. Like they, they've done stuff each time to do that. And I don't know if I have confidence that they would be able to execute like that long-term story, especially like with Hangman. Like that's the issue.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know. They're not that different. Like Cutler and Avalon were a tag team and they broke up and then they've had their little sniping at each other. On BTE, and then have had the match on Dark, and then they had a rematch on Dark. Really, the only difference between them and Hangman and Omega is that they've had the two matches uh, with you know the the out finish and shit, right? So it's really just they're they're holding that match off longer, which I don't think is incorrect. I think when you have that match, you want it to be bigger. So I, you know, it, it's kind of the same story. They're just taking their time a little bit more with the. Hangman and Omega 1 I guess. So yeah, I I don't think it's like necessarily a failure, but we're just like in this sort of purgatorial period where they haven't really put the haven't really put the pedal down on it yet, so it's like okay, well, we'd like you to put the pedal down on something.
1: Well, it's just this weird thing where some stuff they hotshot, you know, the MJF Cody thing, where that happens in like two weeks when it could have happened over a year. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of, which they, in their defense, I guess they've slowed down on the Wardlow MJF thing. So I appreciate that. But it's like, there's some things that they do really quickly. Other things like Hangman and Page that it feels like it's just been stuck in, in um, quicksand. Neutral. 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 That works. Uh, It's been stuck for so long where the characters really don't change or like progress. Yeah. Uh, So that's just what's frustrating about it.
2: Yeah, yeah, can't can't disagree
1: with that at all. Really. Well, you know what's not frustrating, folks? It's that you can go to mybookie.ag and get double your first deposit. That's not frustrating. That's exhilarating. You put in a hundred bucks, they give you a hundred bucks. All the way up to a thousand bucks. You put in a thousand bucks, you'll get a thousand bucks. All you have to do is put in the promo code Elite E L I T E. There's a lot going on still. I know NBA playoffs are over, but Major League Baseball playoffs continue. There is the NFL season sometimes, college football sometimes, you know, when, when COVID doesn't intervene. Uh, well, so
3: you are underselling the biggest thing going on right now. What's that? We are in the middle of League of Legends World Championship Season 10. We're in the knockouts, baby. And you can do all sorts wow. of those bets Ooh. on my bookie. You can see who is supremely the, the best team in League of Legends. No, no teams from North America. North America is absolute trash there. But if you're looking for something that is a very interesting bet going up here, we have we have a there, there's a couple like really big games coming up here that they have some that they that they offer some quality lines on. So you can pretty much bet on anything with my bookie. So I I know you like talking about your trad sports, but I wanted to veer in here for the youths out there and talk about the most viewed sport right now in the world, and that is League of Legends.
1: That's fair. I really I guess I don't know what our listeners <laughs> are most interested in betting on. Uh, I just figure, you know, if you cover the big sports, most people are going to grab onto that, right? It's like, oh, you know, uh, you're all squad, Miami having a big year. It's like, oh, okay, my my school is doing well. I'm going to hop in and put a bet down on the game, you know? I don't know if people are diving into, you know, sometimes I log on there and it's like live betting and it's a fucking, uh, you know, tennis tournament in Kazakhstan or whatever. And I'm like, who's betting on this? But I mean, people are obviously.
2: Hey, it's a great way to uh, increase your investment in a Kazakhstani tennis tournament for sure.
1: That's true. That's true. So all you have to do is go over to my bookie uh, and use the promo code Elite. And if it's your first deposit, you'll get double whatever you first put in, up to one thousand dollars. So it's a great way to, you know, get your feet wet and uh, try out some bets before uh, you get your own money on the line. So head on over to my bookie and use the promo code elite.
2: So we never get any feedback on the on the MOBA talk. But what are they doing with the the League of Legends Worlds? Are they doing it holding it in China this year, Mike?
3: Yeah, it's in China. So what they've done and they've actually done a really cool thing of this. They they did a full bubble. So everyone's been in uh-huh. Shanghai for a long time, but they're doing this in a closed set that they've completely like just I'm sorry,
2: esports them. bubble is just really crazy. Well, <laughs> well, well what's really funny explain. about it, because they, they, Dota didn't do their big end of year competition yeah, at all. Yeah, the international which didn't is, happen. You know, yeah, like millions, tens of millions of dollars. Forty. 40, 40 yeah, they just didn't do it. It's like, oh, well, we can't, we can But it's also like, isn't this an like, online game? <laughs> I know, well, I know, online is not ideal because you want to have you know perfect latency and right. you want to sell tickets to it. But it's like in the current circumstances isn't that like kind of approaching the best you can do it's, it's yeah, a little sad. right but you but want well, it to
1: be massively multiplayer online, well, I think.
2: well i mean it's massive and the <laughs> right. fact that... that's not a joke to anyone else it's just like a term <laughs> to anyone else it's like... <laughs> but you find it very funny and, for some and, of a,
3: and of course i'm trying to be literal here it's like well it is massive that the, the last uh league world championships there was the most viewed one of the most viewed events of all time but like they have like this crazy like so they basically have the studio that they're doing this in and they they have like completely made like ar and like digital screens like such a thing that they've now made it so the first part like they do like a, a group stage like in fifa world cup and they made it look like that they were part of the skyscrapers of shanghai and they did like this. Now they have it like that. They like afterwards they like did like this thing where it made it look like they was driving all the teams down to the sewers and like there's water flowing up against them. Like, like they get really imaginative. And then, of course they have like a weird uh, Vocaloid K-pop band. That one of the ones was like real. They were trying to do like this thing where there's a new member of KDA this year. But the thing is is that this is a Vocaloid character that they gave this character a Twitter account. And if you saw that across Twitter the last few days, like I could probably do about an hour explaining to you the, the importance of esports and why you need to be able to, to understand the difference between Billy Billy and do you.
1: All right. Well, I'll just, my plan is to just continue laughing about the term uh, massively multiplayer online <laughs> and uh, saying things like, Oh yeah, Dota, you know, just I nailed it. like, that. yeah, got it.
2: Yeah. I don't, you should uh, check out just like, a YouTube video of like one of the international uh, finals or something, Aaron, just because it's funny to see they do it, you know, like in key arena in Seattle or whatever. So you have this giant arena, have these giant screens. uh, But then of course you have the competitors are all playing PC games uh, and you don't want them to be like interfered with by the giant crowd. So they have like isolation sound booths set up on a stage. Just as like five nerds and a little Michael coal mine, uh, yeah. Surrounded by dozens, th- hundreds, <laughs> thousands of cheering people, it's a very weird visual—a
3: a giant fish tank for that. And then, it, it, it and the thing about like all these things is like, do you remember how Revolution how they had the light up wristbands and things yes. like that? Like that's taken a lot partially from Idols, but more so. I'm knowing what they took it from. That's from esports where like they would make everyone wear light bands, so they do like light shows in the crowd. So you're trying to focus in on this game inside your fish tank with with four of your nerd friends as like everyone's screaming around you and in dota's case you're playing for about 15 to 20 million dollars
1: buddy there's a stardom light up wristband now i don't mm. know if you I don't know if you've seen the the women oh,
3: modeling oh i didn't that. i didn't know if it was going to like sync up with like starlight kids intro so like whenever the beat drops on it it starts flashing you know, I get down yeah, with that.
1: It should. I'm not sure, but it should for sure.
3: Or, or for him or for himika, that when it goes like just dance, stop, just dance, then he starts like freaking out and doing like disco lights. Like, the, like there's a way that they could go for that. I just don't think it's going to happen.
1: No, doubtful, but it does exist at at the very least. All right, let's get into the ratings. AEW uh up a little bit. They're kind of floating around. Up from 753 to 826 thousand. Fifteenth in the demo. That's up, but they're Demo number was down slightly to a 0.30. They were 0.31 last week. NXT, again, did not chart in the top 50. 651,000, that's up just a little bit from 639. 51st in the demo with a 0.17.
3: Yeah, so speaking of sports, uh, the, the top two things on cable were the World Series playoffs. And then because of the current United States Supreme Court re- ruling or hearings right now, they're so highly viewed on cable stations that they actually like you got like things on noon and like 1230 and one o'clock and two o'clock that beat everything else out. And then you like the standard news coverage. So like you take all that stuff out there, like if you want to do transit thing, AEW pretty much is the same thing. There was a new real housewives that beat it and then uh, married at first sight, but it just kind of felt like a same old thing, you know, like the wild thing is, is like, so they were, up slightly in men and in fifty plus, but down in women. But the funny thing about like the being up in fifty plus, they're the worst at the people above the age of fifty demographic in, in the top twenty five, and they're the sixth worst out of anything that makes the top fifty and viewers above the age of fifty. So it's just one of the things that like you you add these other viewers, I guess, because that was to the point of expansion. Just like comparative, you you look at these two things, you're like oh, they must have got a whole lot more. Uh, p50 plus viewers but it's still like such a low number in comparison to the rest of cable.
1: that's good i guess right i mean that kind of i think there's been an idea at least for wwe that it's just like the old people who've been watching wrestling for 30 years are the only people who still watch it and so i guess at least aw
3: doesn't have that problem they don't and it's also one of those things that i know that networks and advertisers care more about 18 to 49 but it does show you that i mean anyone could buy a pay-per-view i guess above the age of someone who could operate a telephone or a remote control so i mean it's it's another person that you're trying to market to so who the,
1: who the fuck is watching this supreme court hearing a
2: like lot millions and millions of people yeah but like who is the person who's doing I'm, it i don't know man i don't <laughs> i get like really frustrated like my boss will come in like start talking about politics or whatever. I'm just going to be like, man, you devote so much. I shouldn't, not even worth addressing. <laughs> Watch, watching the Supreme court hearing, you have no impact on it whatsoever. You know, it's like, it's, it's gotta why be are you like voting your energy on that.
1: It's all libs watching this, right? Like getting angry at it.
2: I can't. Well,
3: it is, but like the, the, the stations that aired it, that got the highest ratings for it was Fox news, which is like all up and down the top 15 that were ahead of AEW. So, with Man, the theory the of ratings, yeah, for the theory of who watches the the programming, it's Fox News people.
1: I just like look. I have been a nerd who think who was interested in Supreme Court uh, hearings for sure. I was a huge Supreme Court nerd at one time in my life, uh, but that was sad, you know. So like <laughs> the idea that there are, I just can't imagine being like. I mean, I was in law school at the time, right? When I like thought this was particularly interesting. I can't imagine just being like a person out in the world and being like, I've gotta fucking watch Diane Feinstein like fight dementia to uh, slobber on Amy Coney Barrett. It's like I very mean.
0: in the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now Off again, that's arena club.com/slash VOW net, arena club.com/slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voice of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
2: Strange, yeah. I mean, you could extend it to, like everybody watched the debates, it, it benefited no one, no one learned anything from it. Uh, watching it has no effect, makes no impact on your life in terms of informing what you will do at any decision point in your life just like a sideshow spectacle that makes everybody upset i don't know
1: but but it had the possibility of being funny that was the key to the debates um it turned out to be uh, somewhat uh. funny but like kind of uh you know just made you want to die by the end
2: i guess yeah in the in the spirit of darren rovell you know i'm sad for our country but this is great content yeah I, i guess that's the approach you can take to it yes
1: All right, let's get into week 54 of AEW. We opened up with the tag team title match, FTR defeating the best friends. Dax pinned Chuck Taylor after a belt shot. Uh, The post-match was Miro attacking the best friends because during the match, they broke uh, the video game cabinet that he was playing on.
2: I believe they they had a name for it. Allen the Arcade, is that what it was? Allen, yes. Yeah. Because that felt like Miro was like, hey, remember Mitch the plant? That got over big. I'm going to get my (laughs) arcade machine over.
3: (laughs) This was an interesting match because arguably this was the most Southern style tag. And I feel like I've said this before, but this one really was because basically like the first half of it was Trent Selling. And then they did did that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like I've said my piece about FTR before. This was the one place I was hoping there would be a title change and sadly that was not the case. But uh you know I mean it was it probably with the exception of yeah you, you you know it's probably like was one of the better matches of the night
2: yeah it was it was pretty good. Yeah all these matches were like good <laughs> you know it's like a I, I, I don't really say that as a compliment they were good matches. I,
1: I've done this take before so I'll do it briefly uh but I hate when heels Win matches like this by cheating and there's no like. Yes, they're eventually going to have come up. It's in that they will lose the titles, but like we already know because they talk about it on commentary that Tony Khan is watching the shows. <laughs> so somebody should say, wait a fucking second. You can't just hit somebody with the belt and win the match.
2: like yeah,
3: there
1: has to be something that it just makes the baby faces look dumb. It makes the people who run the ru- are running the show in Kfab look dumb. And I just hate it. So this just irritates well, me. Well, that's
2: like you had a perfectly good finish if you're going to do the big arcade bump. Like, the, yeah. that, you don't need to overcomplicate it by also doing a goofy belt attack. Like, I get that you wanted to... Uh, we know they're heels. You don't need to, like, hammer it home with a belt shot and have them cheat to to let us know that we should have wanted Best Friends to win. Everyone wanted Best Friends to win.
1: Right. You don't have to win by cheating to be a heel. You know, it's just... You can just win the matches. It's okay. And that that actually, I think in 2020 makes people more mad like that gets the heel more heat when they just win against the people you want them to lose to instead of like cheating but everybody's kind of like you know
3: yeah like you could be heels and win and just to be assholes and people dislike you you don't have to do that like that was like one of my big takeaways about watching stuff this weekend like anthony henry old friend of the show like watching one of his matches he plays a heel now in wrestling. You know what, it, what his heel thing is? It's not that he cheats. He's just an asshole who tears you apart. And it works great. Like, you could do this without having to have a belt shot here. Like, you put him through Allen the arcade cabinet. That was a dick move. You could win the match based off of that and just, like, smugly go in the back because you – and everyone's like, hey, you wouldn't have beat them if you didn't put him through that. And it would have been just as effective as not having another bad distraction spot.
1: Yeah, Their whole thing is supposed to be that they're, like – really good at tag team wrestling right like can't they outsmart the other team or like do something strategic that's that's interesting i don't know
2: well yeah i don't know if we want to be smarter necessarily well but you know what uh, i mean yeah I, it it's also like i don't think the best friends are hurt by taking a semi-clean loss it's like no. they're kind of they're kind of lovable because they don't win all the time it's kind of okay like i don't i don't think losing here after a Arcade cabinet bump and, you know, also like totally got involved on a trip a couple times. Like, I think they lose after that. They're like still the hottest tag team in the division. Uh, and yeah, hopefully that's not just like a victim to FTR and then Miro now. This led right into this is, uh, you
1: know, in honor of uh, Gabe Sapolsky. They had the run in go straight into the next match. Miro and Kip Sabian defeating Lee Johnson and Sean Maluta. Uh, I did not write the finish down. So it was the game over.
2: Was, that's, yeah. that's
1: right. The game over. I'm F- sorry. F- yeah. F- a-,
2: a accolade.
1: Yes. Uh, a- after the match, Miro on the mic. He says, best friends, you break my shit. uh.
2: uh, 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 uh Aaron, the good friends. He says good friends. Well, See, I was wondering
1: because he's been doing that on Twitter. But then I was like, wait, I wrote best friends." Did I just so I just fucked that up. Yeah very,
2: yeah, very important. He's the best man. There can only be one best.
1: OK, I like that. Uh, yeah, and he also got to say shit. Even though Chuck, of course, has been wanting to say now. to say shit, so I think that played in. And then, uh, yeah, he closes with "Game Over."
3: <laughs> what a great line there! Yeah, what a, very good. Well, what a great man! Like, I'm glad that everyone I, who was the man, best him, man, the right? best man. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that everyone who was just like so mad about him being an angry gamer now could be like, oh no, he rules now because Miro rules. It was great. He looked great in the squash. Yes, and Kip was pretty on the apron.
1: Then we shoot uh, backstage. We see Lance Archer beating up Mox. I was very concerned that Mox had COVID and they were writing him off the show here <laughs> so that they didn't have to do the match.
2: Maybe think- not the best way to raise him with, <laughs> with COVID off the show, though.
1: <laughs> no, but you know, Lance Archer probably thinks he's immune because he had it once already. So it would have been okay. Uh, MJF is in the ring. I can't believe this has not been discussed yet. I mean, I kind of vaguely discussed it, but surprised we hadn't gotten to this yet. So MJF is on the mic. He says, everybody wants to boo him because they're envious of him. Strap in because he's not going anywhere. Uh, and he brings out Chris Jericho mentions, you know, he's been on top of the business for 30 years, suggesting MJF will also be. The whole inner circle comes out. Uh, Sammy is carrying a jacket. Jericho implores him to put it on. He does. It's oversized, comically so, folks. MJF puts over Jericho's abs, As to touch his hair, he touches it. Jericho wants to know, he's tired of waiting, wants to know what the announcement is. MJF says uh, they're the top minute-to-minute ratings movers. They're on top of their games, but they've never gotten physical because they're both predators. Uh, he said maybe it's time we work together. So they do a thing where he can't say that he wants to join the inner circle. You know, he keeps like almost saying it, but then stopping. Uh, finally, he asks if he can join Ortiz pipes up. He does not want MJF in the inner circle. Jericho says they need some time to think about it. Maybe next week they should meet up one-on-one for a steak dinner. And so that turns out they're going to have a steak dinner next week. That was the segment.
2: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think this didn't come up because this is not really an elite or a delete. I think there were things to like here and and things to be annoyed by. Uh, I, you know, have stated that I like sort of the dynamic between Jericho and MJF, where they're so similar that they don't like each other, but also they kind of uh, uh, see themselves in the other person, so they kind of uh, uh, tolerate each other. I like the dynamic where the rest of the inner circle just has no tolerance from whatsoever, uh, and Ortiz getting it, you know, doesn't get to speak s- super a lot. Him be- being the guy to pipe up here and uh, voice that was good, I think. Sammy Guevara doing the facials in the background of being frustrated by all this and being frustrated by his comically long sleeves uh was pretty much the highlight of the segment and then i even kind of liked them acting like a steak dinner was like a really big match and them being like oh yeah you're on that was like amusing uh honestly the the weak part of it was like just felt like mjf had written a eight minute monologue and he was gonna hit every part of it um instead of like you know fully 40% of it could have gone and the segment would have been better for it probably. So yeah, that that's about what it was.
3: Yeah. Like the, the funniest thing that I felt like in a comedic segment that was good is I thought that the MJF like pe- giving himself a pep talk was, was humorous. Like the way that they did that once it was kind of, and then, then it went on forever. But yeah, Sammy and Ortiz in the background being frustrated this entire thing, like we talk about Sammy's comically over a large jacket, but also Ortiz's facial expressions before he grabbed the microphone. You like, you could see him when like, I hate this guy. Like, what are we going to do about this? So I felt like that, that was pretty good. And then I mean, it's the standard MJF and Chris Jericho stuff. So, I mean, it was okay.
1: I think it was uh, Patrick Cosmos who pointed out that Jericho just loves this Marx Brothers ass shit where they like kind of yeah. go back and forth with each other. And I remember like the first time MJF and Jericho were in the ring together and they had a little, Similar thing, and it kind of worked. I don't know if it was just because it was the first time, but it like felt fun. But now it's yeah, it's kind of like uh, I've I've grown weary of it, I suppose. Next up was the segment with Tony and Britt Baker that we talked about earlier. Um, then we had the TNT title match. Honestly, a lot of stuff that like the bigger stuff we did not get to in Elite or D, which is funny. Um, And it's, I think, because of what you said a minute ago, Nate, it's just all this stuff kind of just washed over us.
2: Yeah, it's like a whole lot of good matches that didn't have any other angle or justification or hook in them that made them, like, rise to a level past good. So when you combine that with, like, how did we get to this match? This match was kind of just thrown together. It's like, as good as the match was, it's almost as much an, an annoyance.
1: Yeah, so Cody and Orange Cassidy went to a draw. So of course, Cody got destroyed by Brody Lee. Brody Lee beat Orange Cassidy. Cody beat Brody Lee, and then Cody and Orange Cassidy went to a draw. So all that makes sense
3: to me. Uh, Massive shakeups in the TNT Tile Division. Who's that? Who's in charge? Who, will it be Darby Allen who's staring up in the in the raptor? And the rafter's like a weirdo. Who knows what's going to happen next? Uh, time expired here while Orange had Cody in a
1: mousetrap. And Paul Turner was about to count three. So we're supposed to believe Orange would have won if there was just another second in this match.
2: Yeah, so I was really... They announced Darby is the next challenger for this. Cody's been doing this thing with Darby where Darby is was close to beating him and then got farther away from beating him, even though the story was supposed to be the opposite of that. <laughs> so now we have a rematch coming for Orange and Cody. I don't know is this is this building's like a, a, a triple threat thing where it's like both these guys have been within inches of beating cody uh and they can't seal the deal is that where it's going
3: i, I guess i guess it's one of those things that cody like doing open challenges at least had some sort of direction with the belt and now it's kind of just okay orange cassie came out and accepted a challenge Darby is just sitting there, touching his face, and he's into it. And he wants them at full gear, but now there's going to be another title offense. We don't know if it's going to happen at full gear with with the TNT champion versus Darby, and now we have a draw. Maybe they could have done something where, like, I guess you can't do that. I was going to say if it goes, if the the title goes to a draw, the title should be vacated. Like, I and then like do it because I know that that's a thing for like Ice Ribbon that like if a certain title (laughs) goes to a draw, it's vacated. And it's like Definitely. I like that.
2: The IWGQ title. <laughs> I, I, so here's my other thing. Why Cody's Cody has this time limit on all of his matches, 20 minute time limit, which is FTR's heel thing, is that they have a 20 minute time limit on their matches, except when it's a real title match. It's like, like dude, the one on this show where it's six. All the minutes.
1: fucking title matches are 20 minute time limits.
2: Well, no, sometimes they're uh sometimes they're not. Right, sometimes it, like the main event is like TV time remaining, or yeah, it, but it like doesn't the- have a limit, and because it, it's a world title match. I don't know. I I just don't. That's a weird uh, uh, juxtaposition it. to yeah. me, where FDR is like a heel thing that they have twenty minute time limits, and that they you know automatically win and more importantly retain their belt if the you know the other team can't beat them in 20 minutes but that's like just cody's normal thing
3: yeah and and like they have that and it was supposed to be like a legit match this week and guess how long that title match was how long was the tag time you know, 16 minutes and 33 seconds. So it does not matter that this was a legit title match versus a brush of greatness. The match was still over within 20 minutes.
2: Yeah. I'm, the, the brush of greatness thing should have just been 15 minutes and that cleans it up right there. And then you don't yeah. have a problem anymore. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you on that. There, There's a through
1: line here between this and the, the tag team title thing we'll talk about later too, where it's just like, the, they got to just get rid of the fucking rankings. I mean, they're just like, they're dumb.
3: Darby. I mean- they haven't mattered in months, and then when they choose it to matter, it's always frustrating when they. Yeah, choose it to matter. that's
1: the thing about it. It's like, I don't. You gotta just do something consistently. I don't care what it is, but just <laughs> be consistent about like one thing that you want to pick.
2: Honestly, like. They could you can cheat and just never bring up the rankings, never post them on Twitter, and then only when you're going to use it to justify a title match, go, "Hey, here's the rankings from our uh, our booking committee." Jack Whitehall says that Darby's the number one contender now, and then do it. Like you can cheat; it's wrestling. Just like, don't give us a bunch of information to indict your cheating. Uh, otherwise, or right? you could
1: have told us from the beginning that the TNT title like lives outside the rankings. Right. Like the whole thing. Yeah,
2: I guess a must because it was the open challenge thing. But yeah, yeah,
1: but their whole thing at the beginning was Cody saying like, oh, these two are even. So all the rankings in the singles, men's singles division float up to the either title. So, I mean, that was dumb. They should have never said that.
2: uh, Yeah. So Cody did this interview where he said, oh, you know, one of the the mistakes I made in the first year of Dynamite was like talking too much, which (laughs) which he kind of meant. And like, oh, I was talking too much shit about NXT uh, and, you know, kind of maybe that impacted how people perceived us, you know, something like that. Uh, But really it's like a large part of the issue with the promotion um, is talking too much in terms of setting unrealistic expectations for people and doing a poor job of, of managing people's expectations or just talking so much that you that you lay out all these rules and guidelines and ethos for booking or for how the wrestling works or who's booking, what that create contradictions when you just don't need to do that. You can just not just don't tweet, never tweet. You don't have to say anything. Just say what's relevant for what you're trying to accomplish in that moment. And it's way easier to avoid all those contradictions.
1: Yes. I think that's fair. It's just like, I feel like Cody and therefore, a W has just kind of overthought a lot of things, which, you know, it is a, a one-year-old company or yeah, whatever.
2: Yeah, and, and like, you know, pretty, honestly, pretty hard to do booking a wrestling promotion that you're also producing for the first time in your life. And also you have a pandemic that sets in halfway <laughs> through the first year. Right. And you have to do a bunch of stuff on the fly. Um, yeah, like, so <laughs> bearing all that in mind, uh, it is difficult to do. Hearing all that in mind,
1: clean it up, boys. <laughs> clean it up. Uh, also during this match, the Dark Order was at ringside, and then during the match, John Silver tried to get the belt to hit Cody with it, but Orange Cassidy took the belt from Silver. Then the Dark Order got ejected, so there's still a Dark Order aspect to this feud, also. Apparently, we see Lance Archer and Jake Roberts backstage with Alex Marvez. Alex Marvez says, Why did you attack John Moxley? Jake Roberts starts He says, why do you climb a mountain? Because it's there. But then Mox attacks. That's so a that stupid would...
2: answer. That's not why he attacked John Moxley.
1: <laughs> yes, it is stupid. But Jake Roberts' best promo, probably, because it lasted <laughs> two seconds. Fair. Uh, Matt Hardy is ringside. I've written here with Tone. Tone. I guess uh, the, uh, tone. The, the boss from Aggretsuko, I suppose. He's who he was ringside here with. And uh, we talked about this segment. And then, boy, this showed up a lot in the listener deletes. That was the lottery to pick the teams for a four-way, the winner of which will be the number one contender to the tag team titles. Uh, Who needs rankings? Who needs anything? It's just every title. It's just got to have, like, some... Uh, overwrought thing before they can have a title match.
2: Well, you say every title, but in particular, the tag team title gets one of these every pay-per-view cycle, right? Yeah. They get the battle Royal, they get the gauntlet match. And this is like the least valid one of any of them. Cause it's just literally a lottery. Uh, so that's, that's kind of a funny commentary on like the uh, breakdown of all systems over time, maybe. Uh, but yeah it's like okay yeah i I guess you wanted uh john silver and alex reynolds in here because they're like hot on bte and you had no other way to get them into the title picture i guess maybe that's what you were trying to accomplish here but i don't know it 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 just it it really uh brought to a head all of the unjustified booking of these title matches this was like the most unjustified of them so it made all the other ones look even worse by association uh, and yeah, just it built to a confrontation with the young bucks and FTR, which is supposed to be this super anticipated match that they were building for years on PTE and Twitter. Uh, it just feels like all the heat is gone from this. I'm way more interested in best friends than almost any, any of this at all.
3: I just like John Silver is the most over person on PT and they've realized that how good he is here. Like, I'd almost want Beaver Boys to get this title match just to see, ride the John Silver train. Let's see how, how far Silver, Silver and Reynolds can go here like this because you're absolutely right. This is like this feud that was simmering for years and you have it happen this way feels completely like undeserved in a way.
2: <laughs> yeah, they really, they had this whole thing, the gauntlet match, didn't have Bucks and FDR face off. Uh, when FDR first came into the company, they were doing like a mutual respect thing, but then they uh attack the rock and roll express and then they were just sort of taunting the young bucks uh which caused the young bucks uh in tandem with the whole elite breaking apart thing to like get in touch with their inner asshole so you have all these like threads that are coming together in this story and they don't really seem to knock on each other much uh and then just to finally tie it together you're like well we kind of need to get moving in this direction. So let's have these teams pull their name out of a lottery tumbler. Yeah, it just seems pretty slapdash.
1: So the teams are going to be Private Party, the Beaver Boys, John Silver and Alex Reynolds, Butcher and the Blade, and the Young Bucks. Uh, but yeah, they're just building. I mean, the Bucks got an FTR's face after this. And so that's you know, clearly what we're supposed to expect. And I've, I've completely turned around on this. I was like talking about how you really want to draw this out and you don't want to burn this match. And now I'm like, just fucking do the match. Like, let's just get this match over with and move on to whatever's after that. So I hope that's where it goes.
2: Yeah. I, uh, this seemed like it's, it's funny to go back to like the first couple FDR appearances where it's like, Oh, are they going to get their handshake with the young bucks? And now, uh, yeah, it just the the, the idea of uh, successfully pulling off a long build to this now seems undoable.
1: Um, yeah, Nick and Matt super kicked. Um, I believe it was Alex Reynolds and the Blade, and then everybody brawled. Next up was the women's world title match. Akarashita defeated Big Swole with the Tamashi. It was just kind of a match. It it happened.
2: Yeah. uh, (laughs) Again, they spent so much time on that Big Swole-Britt Baker feud. uh, Almost blew it off on the pre-show. Got convinced to move it on to the main show. Uh, And then Big Swole disappeared. Uh, Britt Baker pretty much disappeared because she wasn't ready to come back from injury in the first place, like we all know. Uh, And then Big Swole gets her title match after all that focus being being paid to her in the women's division, and there was no build to it. It was just hot-shotted. And carshi to won, which I think honestly my the best thing about the booking on this show is that you threw all these title matches together with no justification uh, and no booking and no story. So at least the champions retained. Like at least that just makes an uh, puts another notch on their belt as I'm actually a valid champion because I win matches. If that's the worst you can do, like at least you don't have your champions getting beat every week.
1: Yes, somebody's delete, I've put away the Twitter thread now, but somebody's delete was, uh, you know, Nyla Rose is right fucking there. And they're clearly building to Nyla and Sheeta. And they love doing brawls after matches. So why didn't Sheeta attack her, at least get in her face, do something to build that match? Especially,
3: especially with on Dark after uh, after Nyla tore through someone. I think it was Kylan King. King. Yeah, Kylan King. Vicky uh, could probably cut like her best promo in years saying like, we're tired of being like sidelined. You want to on us? Well, I'm actually going to sideline Nyla. Nyla's not gonna wrestle until she gets a title shot. And the only like thing that, that carried on to this was that you had a camera cut to Nyla and she was unhappy. Like that was all the things. Like if you're not someone who watches Dark, you would have been like, oh, Nyla's there. You wouldn't understand like what was going on with that when you very easily should have played that up.
1: But folks, we had to have a Sean Spears video after this. He's mad, the Scorpio oh, we did. sky interrupted him on late night dynamite. He was supposed to have a moment. So now uh, Scorpio Sky owes him a moment and he plans on collecting.
2: I'm fine with Sean Spears getting a video here. If it's a build to Scorpio Sky, beating him clean in the middle with his move, because they've had this backburner Scorpio Sky push going on for, I don't know, six months or something. like A year. Yeah, sort of have to do something with it. Otherwise, it you know I, I just kind of honestly seems token that he's just like the the token black guy they push on dark and have win there and then yeah shows up on dynamite once a year to lose to Cody that's like a little sketchy.
3: No, no, you're absolutely right, and you, you also have the aspect of it is kind of cool. someone tweeted this and I apologize uh, that they they brought up or someone like said this in Discord. I apologize. I just remember seeing this somewhere that the idea that Sean Spears, of all people, should be focused on moments like the, the that's, WWE. That was me. <laughs> you made a very good point there, Nate. <laughs> I appreciated it. I, yeah, that, I,
2: that was from our account, actually. Yeah, Yeah, that was actually
3: from our account. <laughs> hey, I, I I stick in the Discord unless I have to make a comment about tracksuits during sure. Twitter right now. So when I saw like that pop up in the notifications later, I was like, that's a good point. I want to talk about that. But yeah, like Sean Spears is like thing, like the idea that he's obsessed with moments I thought was kind of music. But you're absolutely right about like they have so many people that, like, they say, like, this is someone who's important. This is someone's important. Like, you could say the same thing about Darby Allin. You could say the same thing about Jungle Boy. And it's like, when is it actually going to happen? Or is this just something that you're just going to dangle forever? And it's doubly so with Scorpio Sky.
1: Uh, next up was the men's world title. John Moxley defeated Lance Archer. I think we've kind of talked about this match. But Mox, I fucking hated this finish. Lance Archer did a blackout. Mox rolled it into a crucifix and won. Uh, I just think if a guy hits you with his move, you shouldn't be able to like roll it into a pin and it hold was, him down for a 3 count.
2: What was interesting about this match was Vance just immediately powered out of that bulldog choke that Moxley has been beating everybody with. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh holy shit, like he might actually beat him here. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was all those Cody matches we complained about where Cody got hit by the coffin drop and just rolled him up. Yeah. Immediately out of the coffin drop. At like, least
3: this at least this crucifix looked miles better than the one that cody did or yeah, that the mousetrap that, mouse drop that little, cody did
2: that one was a little goofy um so this was at least a pin mm-hmm. yeah i didn't understand it uh, it, uh, it <laughs> so uh a, a while back um aaron was like i don't know are they just going to keep having these monsters get built up all the every month to lo- lose to john moxley it was like well, yeah, it's kind of like how American pro wrestling has worked in a lot of ways. This felt like um, the the nadir of the John Cena booking where he would get these absurd wins out of impossible situations, which is like, yeah, you know, WWE is going to do their Hulk Hogan booking. They're going to build up their monster and they're going to have them lose to their top baby face and the people are going to go home happy. Uh, but they reached a point with with John Cena where I was like, okay, he got beat by six guys for four hours and then got a roll-up pin. This was like approaching that, I felt like.
3: And, and it's something where you had him, you, you had uh, Archer kick out immediately out, out of a paradigm shift. Like, and this is the first move of the match. And then the Bulldog choke didn't really elevate it. And they did do a solid draw of like, okay, Moxley's retained us from this from, like, the skin of his teeth, if I'm gonna play a little bit devil's advocate there, but with the way that they've built up Archer and the way that they've done this thing, where it's like, yeah, he didn't take the everybody dies claw yet, but it's like, okay, lol, Moxley wins. Like, it did feel a little banana. <laughs> yeah. Peel-ish.
2: yeah, it was, it, it's the guy's finisher. I, I think he's been using the blackout as a finisher. The everybody that dies claw, I feel like he hasn't been using an AEW as much. That uh, was certainly what he was using in New Japan, but yeah, it's like you hit him with your move. And it basically, no sold it after a long no yeah. disqualification match. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It's it's like yes, of course you you know a, a classic wrestling thing is building up the big heel of the month who or of the the uh, run whatever. Yeah, who loses their title match. But it, it's like okay, but it felt like Lance Archer could be something more than that when he showed up, and it felt like Brian Cage maybe could be more than that. But if they're just people who show up and lose to Mox. Uh, then you kind of wonder, like, well, where are we going to go with these guys? And, you know, certainly when <laughs> he no-sells your finish, I mean, that's that seems pretty yeah. bad, but it's what they did.
2: Yeah, and again, I kind of, like, I'm. if you don't have a really good built guy and you don't have a justification to move the title to somebody else, I would rather the title just stay on the champion and you have, like, a real champion and you don't have Seth Rollins getting beat by J&J security out here. Sure. Um, I'd just rather preferable. he win clean. But I, yeah, Rupert kind went. of, or win without bearing the other guy's finisher, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah, just a definitive win, I think, is not too much to ask for. Uh, Eddie Kingston and the Lucha Brothers were at commentary during this, so afterward, uh, Archer attacks Moxley because, you know, he's just lost to a crucifix, so he's completely fine. Uh, Eddie sends the Lucha Brothers out, but they help Moxley instead. And uh, they hit Archer with a chair. He no sells that, but, but leaves anyway. And then we get an Eddie promo. Uh, he says, hey, we had a great match last time, even though I never tapped out. Uh, get him his belt. This man has carried the company. I'm proud of you, he's saying. I always knew you could do it. Let's raise his hand together. Let's do it for Johnny. But, of course, he, he cheap shots Moxley, puts him in the chokehold. Uh, then Eddie gets the belt, and he says, look how beautiful this is. This is what we fight for. I never quit. I'm gonna get you, John. Jr. is like trying to do his like sign off, but Eddie Kingston is like going up to the last fucking second of the show. So, which I thought was fun and like you know more interesting way to end the show. Uh, but yeah, that's how we go out.
2: Yeah, I feel like we were kind of in the minority on this episode in that I don't know it it just uh, brought to the forefront a lot of like ongoing minor issues of the promotion. Sure.
3: Yeah. No. No. Like the wrestling on this the show with probably the exception of the women's world title match was all fine for the most part. It just was one of those things that you kind of watching it weekend, weekend, when you just have like a fine episode, like, and it feels like you've had a lot of fine episodes. You kind of like take a step back and like, that's why I felt like how formulaic it's felt lately. Like that's when I, that kind of did like this, like my big question I ask myself each week is, am I, do I feel like I have my time wasted? And I don't feel like that the show is, really wasted much of my time. It's just one of those things that's like, oh, this isn't as as exciting. Or like I was like, oh, this kind of feels like they've been kind of doing same old, same old. And it's even doubly so when it's supposed to be a pay per view in three weeks. Like that's the thing that kind of gets me about it.
2: Yeah. They're they're like floor for the matches is like pretty high. Like you, you know, you pretty much don't tune in here and see like a lot of bad matches that are like, oh, that was like their floor for the matches like pretty high. So in that regard, it's like, you know, you're always going to have something when you tune in here that you could be like, okay, that was pretty good. But yeah, I I, I may, you know, again, expectations like a bunch of title matches, your anniversary show, you know, just kind of wish it had delivered at a level above.
1: Well, if you want something that delivers at a level above, you got to go over to patreon.com slash everything elite. We have lots of bonus audio over there for you. Uh, We at least get out one bonus show a week. Uh, This week, Mike did his review of uh, the super spreader event known as The Collective.
3: Yeah, yeah. So uh, as someone that I like watching stuff and I like doing things that are dangerous to both my health and to my mental sanity, I watched eight of the 12 Collective shows live and I did instant reactions. As soon as the show went off the air, I immediately came up to my office, came up to the studio, recorded a little bit. Combine it all together. It's two and a half hours. Give my thoughts about a lot of things there. A lot about how this is a weekend that this shouldn't happen. And then some really neat stuff that happened on on the weekend as well, like for the culture, uh, the breakout of Lee Moriarty now as probably one of the bigger North American stars. And then some of the really, really bad things that happened at the collective. And now that the more and more bad stuff's come out from the collective day by day, I'm more like, Oh, that was even more of a bad decision.
2: Yeah, if you're working on a psychological profile on Mike, you definitely want to subscribe. <laughs> get in there. Get your notebook out. Uh, start start taking some notes. You're going to get a lot of lore. Uh, definitely worth digging into.
3: Especially with that, because I was like in such a good mood as it was going on, and then the final show went off there at 3.30 Sunday morning, and I watched four shows in a row that day, and I was completely losing it at that point. And uh, Yeah, and I'm going to, in the future, do the other four shows, because I promised I would review all the shows of The Collective, and You know, my word is Vaughn. I'm going to do it.
1: We also do a weekly uh, show called Light, where Mike and I preview Dynamite, review Dark, and Nate gives us uh, all the action that happened on BTE and sometimes other vlogs. So you want to check that out. Next week, our big bonus show is going to be uh, Mike and I doing This Is Chris Jericho. We're going to be going back all the way to Jericho's time in wrestling and romance, if you're nasty. And uh, up to his time in uh, New Japan. So his most recent time in New Japan, that is. So uh, lots of fun stuff there. If you're a member, go join the Discord. And if you haven't joined yet, sign up and then join the Discord. It's a lot of fun. Mike's going to finish off his uh, collective stuff. And uh, I'm going to be, hopefully, gosh, I need to do that tomorrow, I guess. Uh, Start them so we can do a preview for the Coriquan this weekend. So. That's it. Patreon.com slash everything elite. Five dollars. There's three tiers, but five dollars will get you all the audio uh, that we've ever done. Uh, Like almost a year of content and uh, all the audio we'll do this month. So that's it. Patreon.com slash everything elite. Coming up on next week's Dynamite, the world title, men's world title tournament will start the first match. They didn't tell us what the match is going to be, but this is the bracket. One side. Pentagon and Phoenix are going to match up. Ah, uh, below them is Kenny Omega and Joey Janela, and then the right side of the bracket is Wordlow and Jungle Boy and uh, Cole Cabana versus Hangman Page. The first thing they pointed out when they unveiled the bracket was that Kenny Omega and Hangman Page are on opposite sides of the bracket. <laughs> uh, we call that foreshadowing. And the final will be at Full Gear, so that that's going to kick off next week. But we don't know what the match is going to be. Thoughts on the uh, the the title tournament?
2: Um, love televised tournaments long long uh, standing advocate of that uh, and yeah this is this is a better way to go about building a real challenger for the world title like you have a number of weeks of very clear storytelling opportunities where you can tell stories with matches with guys over uh consecutive matches and then build to one of them getting a big win at the pay-per-view event and then that being a good time to like set them up as your next challenger for whoever wins the main event of that pay-per-view event. Uh, that's yeah. Very, very simple and uh, effective pro wrestling tournament booking is good and they should do it.
3: And, you know, I mean, Omega versus Janela has happened before there was Wardlow versus jungle boy in the Wardlow MJF JF versus the dress express feud. So we, we have some stuff that they're revisiting here and it, you also get like the thing of, there is the potential of Omega versus Phoenix in the second round, which is a wild match. And then, I mean, Jungle Boy or Wardlow versus Hangman Page, most likely. And those are somewhat fresher matchups, at least in AEW. So at least it's providing, like, with the structure, we're getting to see some fresh things, which I think is something that I feel like, especially after this week, that I'd really like to see in this, this program.
2: Yeah. And that's, it, I do think it's smart. uh Sorry. And just, it, it kind of mirrors what mirrors, what they do in like the new Japan cup where, you know, a match like Kenny Omega and Joey Janela, where it's not a first time ever match. It's a match that they've done before in this promotion, but haven't done in a very long time. Uh It's just like a good setup match to be like, okay, uh, here's a match you haven't seen in a long time. Two guys who work well together. Uh, but we're also not really giving anything away. And then you give Kenny Omega a big win so that it, when he moves on to face Phoenix or something, you have two guys who are coming in and off wins, and it creates a big match between you know two single stars who haven't wrestled each other in this promotion. So that's a, in a singles match.
1: Eight guys in this tournament. Uh, I'll start with you, Nate. Give me a guess. How many of these guys are in the top five in the singles rankings?
2: Um, let's see I did retweet the top five of the singles rankings. So I. You did. Uh, I'm trying to. Let's see. It was Brody, MJF. Um, let's see. There were eight guys in the tournament. Yes. What's it's that? an
3: eight person tournament.
2: Yeah. Um, none of them are in the rankings. Uh, right.
3: I think that Kenny Omega's in the rankings. And I think it's just Kenny Omega in the rankings. Maybe Hangman Page, maybe those two.
2: And um, they were in the tag team rankings. I don't know. They've been out of the singles competition. Yes, the answer is
1: none of these eight guys. Okay,
3: <laughs> in there the we rankings. Go. All right. So MJF is in the rankings, obviously. Chris Jericho in the yeah. rankings. Brody. No, Chris Jericho is not Brody. in the rankings. Chris Jericho oh, is not. Right. Okay. He's tag number,
2: division now
1: with Hangman. Number apparently. one, Lance Archer. Number two, Brian Cage. Number three, MJF. Number four, Brody Lee.
3: Number five, Scorpio Sky. <laughs> yeah.
2: Not in this tournament for no reason.
3: Not in this tournament. So, hey, yeah. Isn't Abaddon still in the women's rankings and she hasn't had a match on TV in months now?
1: Yeah, she's number four. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
3: oh, 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 oh so, you, so so she has taken over Yuka Sakazaki's role of remaining in the rankings with months of inactivity.
1: She has. So I don't get that. I, I do hate <laughs> that a little bit. And, you know, I, a lot of times on this show, I come on and I talk shit about something, some bad Lanza take. Let me say this Lanza take is good. Why can't you just have a guy
3: who wins a bunch of matches and is like hot and he gets a title shot? Like, can you just do that sometimes? Or that's what you focus on with like your analytics thing. It's like, hey, this person has only has not lost in eight weeks, nine weeks, ten weeks. He's on a ten match winning streak. Yeah. you I mean, can do that. And it's I, simple.
1: I don't mind the idea of this tournament because the, the key here is you have to rehab Omega as a singles wrestler. So yeah. it makes sense from that perspective. He's gonna have to win three matches to Yeah, win.
2: there's there's no way you don't come out of this tournament with somebody who's won at least three matches in a row against right. other like <laughs> legitimate singles down. So well, well, it's, well maybe. it's it's booking a challenger for dummies.
3: It's booking Act- a challenger for dummies, but what happens if we go through all this and Kenny Omega still doesn't win the tournament?
2: Well, if it's hangman beating Omega, then I'm like fine with that. Also. As long as one of them wins, it's fine. Um the, the second round match I think is
1: interesting because Omega and Pentagon is an all in rematch. Right, but Omega Phoenix is what I'm more interested in seeing. So I think well, that's I, a that's, that's a play mega
3: championship. Now. That's right. right.
2: That's or, right. Or, or Northeast Wrestling had that big house at <laughs> Northeast Wrestling.
3: That's that's right. right. Yeah. So but, but then lots he, of fun stuff here, and, and then you could either like Jungle Boyer or, or Wardlow versus Hangman Page would be interesting.
2: I was it, it, honestly, if if Phoenix or Pentagon come out of the of this, also that's also fine with me. I'm fine with, I'm he fine with the and Page it. not losing if one of those wins. What about
3: Wardlow? If Wardlow wins this thing,
2: too early for Wardlow, but I do want they do have to protect him in his loss, however he loses. That's fair.
1: War is his name. Uh, the four way for the tag title challenger will be next week, and Britt Baker will be in action. They also told us that on. The 28th, so two Dynamites from now, Cody will again face Orange Cassidy for the TNT title. So I'm not really sure how Darby plays into this. Uh, I mean, he's just going to be the full gear challenger, but he's like...
2: For the winner. Yeah, yeah, Yeah,
3: that's what I'm guessing. I hope they don't do a three-way. I kind of
2: (laughs) think... I kind of think that's happening. Yeah, I kind of think maybe they go to a draw again.
3: (laughs) Have
1: we
2: learned nothing about Cody in three-way title matches? I like their IWGP uh, three-way title match. I thought it was good. Okay. <laughs> I I think it was one of his better matches that year. E- 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 it e- e- was e- that in e- the juice match. Um and the Nick Aldis match were like his best matches in that run.
1: Was that the same year as the Okada match? Uh, uh I think the, that was the year after. The Ibushi match is like his his best one, I thought.
2: Uh I don't I mean this was on the level of the Ibushi match. Okay. All right. Glad we're in agreement.
1: Uh and then yeah, here's what we know about uh, full gear so far. Darby versus somebody for the TNT title. Uh, the tag title will be FTR versus the winner of the four-way, and then the title tournament final. So like nothing that's built in any real way. <laughs> no, 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 not not
3: at all, not at <laughs> nothing, all.
1: Nothing, nothing. You want to plop down your fifty bucks to see the
3: payoff to? How long have I been saying a pay per view is coming up real quickly? I've been. Yeah. S- Maybe you think I was being like Chicken Little and saying the sky is falling, but we're now. No, no, you're right. You're
1: right.
2: Like Mike, I don't think you were being like Chicken Little. No, I okay, don't think. Thank you. I thank don't either. You.
1: We, we I, must I, have said, you.
3: I have said this. If it ends up being Moxley versus Eddie Kingston, then that's a few that they've been building up for the past two months. That's that true. I just,
1: I've just been assuming that, that wasn't the match, so
3: I, <laughs> yeah. so I was kind of like ignoring the build. <laughs> no, no that, that's entirely fine. I'm just saying, like, yeah. I will remove this as a speaking point, at least for me, if that happens. I've said this before and I'll say this in public on audio if it ends up being Eddie versus Mox I was like hey some of this stuff isn't great but they've spent 2 months building up Eddie versus Jon Moxley
2: well it it's they it's pretty valid to not ex- expect that to be the match because they just did that match right correct <laughs> right. yeah
1: what's well, I mean what's funny is you could end up with on this uh on this pay-per-view Eddie versus Mox which has been like a pretty long story yeah Co- uh, Hangman versus uh, Omega, Omega, which is a long story, FTR versus the Bucks, which the is longest, like the longest, money. Yeah, and the, Darby, your story, right? And Darby versus Cody, which is a, a pretty long story, although yeah. none of those have been very well done. So I don't, I still don't feel bad about it. They've been, cr- however, all, all,
2: all of those have been well done at times, but maybe right. they're not being well done right now. Yes, yeah, they're, they're
1: not plateauing, or they yeah. are plateauing, they're not, um, accelerating. Peaking. Peaking peaking, peaking, peaking at the right there we time. Go. Uh,
3: I would say, however, if on the buy-in, we have uh, the librarian Peter Avalon versus Brandon Cutler, no DQ, no countouts. Yeah. Then it, we have the longest building store in West Belt thing in the company baby right on yeah. TV.
1: It had to be the
2: match. <laughs> it had to be the match. For I, sure. I, that I, is, I next, have to, go probably, to a draw.
3: They had to go think, to a draw.
2: I think that's probably the best summation of where we're at is there's a lot of threads for long-running stories that have at times been done well, but they're not being communicated particularly well at this point in time. As right. we're building up to this pay per view, which is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so, I think that's kind of where we're at.
1: Yeah, folks, you see what we did there. We we started with uh, some some things at the beginning of this show. We kind of talked through in the middle, tied it up in a nice little bow there at the end. Just
2: can AEW do the same? <laughs> <laughs>
3: we will see. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I think that's the show. So follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji. Hey uh, Subscribe. Give us a five star rating and review if you use the Apple Podcast app. And please support the show by going to patreon.com/slash Everything Elite for Mike. For Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.